it's interesting the way the Lord works in, um, in liturgical churches. He seems to, the Holy Spirit does not in any way seem to be bound by the fact that we have set scriptures that we, we follow and a liturgical calendar that we follow. Now, I will be honest with you, when, when we found out that we were going to close on the 7th or around the 7th of April, we looked at the calendar and I said, okay, Daryl, Pentecost, that's when we want to have our first service. And he said, all right, Father, we'll do it. We'll get it done. And here we are, praise God. But it was the Holy Spirit's work, I believe, that we would be here on Pentecost to really do our grand opening, our first big celebration service. Um, because the Holy Spirit is, above all, the one to thank for our being here today. And what's ironic is that oftentimes in the church, the Holy Spirit is the neglected member of the Trinity. You hear lots about God the Father. You hear lots about God the Son. Last week we celebrated Ascension. But very little is written and spoken about, about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And yet it is the Holy Spirit that should be honored more than any human vessel, any human activity today. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. The fact that we have lived in tents, so to speak, for 12 and a half years, that we have been at the mercy of lease agreements and all sorts of other factors, rain and sounds and cats falling from the roof and all sorts of things that have happened. If you don't know that story, you should hear that one. But uh, um, we've, we've, we've had cats literally fall into our worship space back when we were in the community room. But it's not... Anything that we've done that has meant that we're here 12 and a half years later, it is a work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that has been at work in us and through us over these 12 and a half years and is with us today. Oftentimes in today's world, we can become very, well, cynical about the state of the world and the state of the church. And yet the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that breathed on the disciples in the upper room that came upon the disciples in the temple on the day of Pentecost that we read about in the first lesson is the same instrument, the same person who is at work in the church today. I want to draw your attention to John chapter 14 that I read a minute ago, and I really particularly want to get into one verse. I know you want me to talk about if you ask anything, God, Jesus will do it. There's more to that in accordance with his will. That'll be the short answer. But I really want to focus on verse 16 of John 16, 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I think it's easy to jump past that and not realize the profound truth that Jesus says there. He says, in fact, whatever I have been to you, helper, you can translate the word advocate, comforter. Maybe you've heard churches called Church of the Holy Comforter. Companion. All of those words, whatever, you, whatever Jesus says, whatever I have been to you, so the Holy Spirit will be to you. Another comforter. Another helper, Jesus says, just as I have been. Whatever Jesus is to us, so the Holy Spirit will be to us. Now, the, re the reality of that is that 
what Jesus was to those disciples as you read the gospel passages, you read about Jesus caring for the disciples, coming to them on the water at times, um, um, healing the sick, manifesting himself to, in, in behind closed doors, all the ways that Jesus comforts the disciples, all the things he does to walk with them in his three years of human ministry, Jesus says, this other advocate, this other helper will do the same for you. And so he promises to send the Spirit. Can I just say to you as personal testimony that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is with me in the same way that I read about Jesus being with his disciples in the Gospels. In that very same way, he comforts me, he teaches me, he instructs me, he, he is with me, he gives me joy in the midst of all that goes through life, all the ups and mostly the downs. Jesus says, as I have been to you in my earthly ministry, the Spirit will be with you in that same way. It's his replacement, it's his, it's his relief pitcher, if you will. The Holy Spirit, but nothing is lost. If you know anything about relief pitchers, oftentimes they come in and they pitch faster than the starting pitcher because they're fresh. And Jesus says the Spirit's going to come. And that's why Jesus says greater works you will accomplish, not because we're greater than Jesus, but in my name you'll do greater things because Jesus says I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And so he is. Verse 15, he says, how can, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How can we possibly keep the commandments of Jesus? How can we truly learn to love him as, we, as he deserves to be loved? It is because of the Holy Spirit that he sends us. You guys, if there's anyone that needs to be thanked this morning, it is the Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, who is among us and working in us. In John chapter 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so what John is saying in John 1 is that we realize that the, the, the Word of God, talked about in the Old Testament, is in fact a person. And that person is the person of Jesus Christ. Now in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 of John's Gospel, he says, the Spirit of God that was talked about in the Old Testament, the Ruach in the Hebrew, the Spirit of God hovering over creation, that in fact the Spirit of God, the very breath of God, is also a person. God, the Holy Spirit. And it is this Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, often neglected, that must be recognized is the source of all that we can celebrate today. If it was not for the Holy Spirit, we would not be here. Not one of you would know the gospel. Not one of you would be able to read about the stories of the New Testament church that we just read about. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Spirit within us. And I know it seems frightening at times because we, we think about things like rushing mighty winds and tongues of fire and all these sorts of things. But know that none of those things happen without God revealing it through his spirit in the Old Testament. He said it would happen. Jesus says to the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem. 
you will be witnesses to me to the ends of the earth, starting in Jerusalem, all the way to the ends of the earth. But wait for the Holy Spirit. You will receive power, he says, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will bear witness to me from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the entire world. When I was in my early 20s, my, one of my best friends, still one of my best friends, is a guy named Billy Strout. Uh, Billy is an only child, which explains a lot. And Billy is uh, the son of two pastors, which explains the rest. But Billy, uh, Billy was a wannabe playwright. Um, and, and maybe will be one day. I don't know. He's still probably writing it. Maybe he's watching uh, on Facebook Live right now. So, hey, Billy, I'm, this, is a, this is a flattering story, although it may not have started out that way. Um, but Billy had a desire. He, he was a Shakespearean actor. He, he traveled uh, the Passion Play down in Lake Placid. He, 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 he did the Passion Play. Uh, he did the Passion Play in the Black Hills, and he was a really good actor. And he decided to write this, this play about the life of the disciples from the time that Jesus is, is raised, ascended, and before the day of Pentecost, before the Spirit is, 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 comes upon the disciples. So in other words, before they're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So he writes this play. His big mistake was that he cast me to play a key part. Now, you may think Alex seems very demonstrative and dramatic, and he would probably make a pretty good actor. Well, that's where you're wrong, because there's a reason why you notice I don't read my manuscript. I don't ever read things, and and I really struggle to do the liturgy. Honestly, God has a sense of humor, because when I have to read something, unless it's something I know very, very well, like the the liturgy, I become two-dimensional, and by that, I mean cardboard, and so it was pretty hilarious Here's Billy, Billy, this this really outstanding Shakespearean actor, and he's standing next to two-dimensional Alex. Jody will tell you, right, babe? It was was bad. (laughs) It was bad. And I'm delivering lines like this, and, you know, and he's doing his thing and whatnot. So it was was bad. You guys, Jose and Adrian may have been there. I don't know. No. Anyway, it was in Jacksonville. And... But so this play went on, and I got concerned because the way Billy wrote the script, it was not flattering to the disciples. Not only was I a bad actor, but, but the, 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 the script, it showed all the divisiveness of the disciples, all the rivalries and the tensions and the disagreements, and they were arguing on stage about different things. And I, I really thought it was blasphemous, to be honest with you. I, I really thought my, my priest was going to, you know, kick not only Billy out of the church, but me as well. And Whitey Hogan, some of you know Whitey, who's my mentor, my priest, my rector in Jacksonville. Whitey said, no, 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 this is, this is perfect. All right, Whitey, I, you, you know, I've, I've been confused before. Tell me, why, why am I confused now? He said, this is perfect because this very aptly depicts the church without the Holy Spirit. You see, we, we, tend to, we tend to criticize the church. We tend to think about all the ways that the church foibles and fumbles and messes up and embarrasses our Lord. And yet, Whitey was aware that without the Holy Spirit, we would never get it right. 
without the gift of the Spirit, without the Spirit of God coming upon the church and working in us, inspiring us, there would be no church. Not least of which there'd be no servants of Christ, Anglican church. There would no, there'd be no way we could work together in cooperation. I mean, how can even the 150 people in this room agree on what temperature to put, set the room on, right? And you've heard the stories of churches splitting over the color of the carpet, right? And all those sorts of things. And that's what we do apart from the Spirit. So he's our honored guest. He's the one we need to recognize this morning. Let's neglect him no more. Let's recognize that he's here. Without the Holy Spirit, there'd be no faith. None of you would be Christians. I know sometimes it's frustrating that you you really want to impart to people the goodness of God, the love of Jesus Christ, the the mercy of God. You You want them to understand what you found in your life. And it is so frustrating when they don't seem to get it. But here's what Scripture teaches us. Without the Holy Spirit, not a one of us would be here. Not a one of us would understand the mystery of the gospel if it was not for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. This morning, as you're hearing my words, as you're at whatever point of time that you began to sense that God was true, that it was real, that there was, a, there was purpose and meaning to the universe, that there was a creator that made you, just like we sang about in Psalm 104, that was God's spirit speaking to you. Jesus says, when the spirit comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and regarding righteousness. People come into a church and sometimes they just they feel this strange sense of peace or joy or they weep for no reason or they just feel close to God. That is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit at work. He's the one who makes all of this possible. Jesus says to Nicodemus, next week we'll talk about Nicodemus and John 3, Jesus and Nicodemus, their conversation... Jesus says to Nicodemus, you people don't accept our testimony. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, frustrated that Nicodemus, this great teacher of Israel, can't understand that that what Jesus is trying to explain to him, that, that you must be born from above, you must be born of the Spirit. It has got to be the Holy Spirit's gift that brings about the recognition. Do you know by the end of the Gospels, Nicodemus has become a follower of Jesus? Because the Spirit's enlightened him, has shown him. J.I. Packer, a famous Anglican uh, that wrote the well-known book called Knowing God. It's worth reading if you haven't read it. J.I. Packer says this, It is not for us to imagine that we can prove the truth of Christianity by our own arguments. Nobody can prove the truth of Christianity except the Holy Spirit. By his own authority... His almighty work of renewing blinded hearts. So who should we honor today? 
Sorry, everybody else, but we need to honor the Holy Spirit because he's the one who's made it all possible. He's the one that's working in us. He's the one that will make sure that there's an Anglican church and a present worshiping community true to the gospel in 50 years. It's not our work. We have a work to do, but it is him. Now, does that mean preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel are unimportant? Of course not. You see, 1 Corinthians 12 that Rick read reminds us that that the Spirit imparts gifts, that he empowers us to go forth with preaching and teaching and sharing and doing the work of ministry, whatever your work is, of blessing people, of demonstrating. You go forth and the Spirit empowers you to be effective in it. You say, well, then that means I'm irreplaceable. Well, no, not really. Jesus said, if they don't say, proclaim my gospel, even the rocks will cry out. So Jesus can use Balaam's donkey. He can use the rocks to proclaim. But it has to be the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what, what can we do? As we, begin, as we begin together in this new place, in this sense of permanency, desiring to be God's church, to be a light to Gainesville, Florida, how can we honor the Holy Spirit? Well, just a few thoughts. One, what we're doing right now preaching and celebrating the gift of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that Pentecost is truly the birthday of the church. What a better time to have a grand opening for a new church than on the birthday of the church because it's when God's Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, was poured out. But secondly, in our faith, one of the things that I'm learning to do in the midst of circumstances and problems and the difficulties of life, is not simply to dwell on those difficulties, but to ask the question, what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do in this situation? You see, I think we're oftentimes, we, we forget the Holy Spirit and we think it's, God loves us, Jesus died for us, but now it's us on our own to figure things out. And when, in fact, Jesus says, I've sent you another helper. And so to begin in our faith, to begin to think and ask the question, okay, not simply, why is this so bad? Why is this such a horrible circumstance? But what could the Holy Spirit be wanting to do in this circumstance? I'll give you an example. As of February 1st, Jody's not been able to drive her vehicle. That means that I have to bring her back and forth. We, we, we jokingly say that I'm her Uber driver. So um, her Uber bill is getting pretty high by this point. Yeah, sure. We share a checking account. So. That is not a good circumstance for a husband and wife to have to be forced to drive in the same car every week, right? We would all agree if you're married, you know that. And yet, what has the Holy Spirit done? Well, he's given me another opportunity to love my wife better. To die to more independence. To have to be constricted to a schedule. Because she has to start work at a certain time and end work at a certain time. And that's not been my life for a very long time now. So, 
But in that, the Holy Spirit is working. Can we have the eyes of faith to see in the circumstances, in the difficulties, in the, in the, in the worst things of life, that if God's Spirit is truly sovereign, He can be working in those circumstances to do something incredible in us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Well, that he that is in us is the Holy Spirit. Secondly, I think as we think about Scripture, we tend to want to think that the Holy Spirit is going to do something new and exciting something out of the box, so to speak, something that's never been done before. But it's the Holy Spirit of God that's actually inspired the words of Scripture. And so wouldn't it make logical sense to think that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit is going to speak and direct us through what is already written down? I already told you, if you were impressed with the day of Pentecost, just go back to the Old Testament. God had already said through His Spirit, all of the things that were going to happen on the day of Pentecost would happen. I mean, he didn't exactly say you'll, all the Gal- Galileans will be able to speak all these languages, but, but he, he talked all the, the wind and the fire and all the, the visual symbols was all prophesied in the Old Testament by the Spirit of God. As we read Scripture, and I've said this to you before, what would it be like to begin by saying, just like we say on Sunday, Holy Spirit, Open my eyes to understand your word. Number one complaint pastors hear is, I don't understand the Bible. Number one, Alex answer, did you ask the Holy Spirit to make the Bible knowable to you? Well, no. Well, give it a try. (laughs) He inspired it originally. He'll inspire you to read it. Again, I'm not suggesting that we park our minds and brains just like we don't have to, we can't say that we're off the hook to preach and teach and share the gospel, but know that it is the spirit that is working in us to help us understand. It's what he's promised to do. Jesus said, when the spirit comes, he will teach and he will reveal and he will, he will protect you from error and he will remind you of things that I want you to know. And then lastly, listening. It strikes me that, and I never really had thought about this much, at the end of, at the beginning of Revelation, the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, some of the same places that are mentioned in Acts chapter 2 that Rick read. And in each of those letters, Laodicea, Ephesus, you you may be familiar with some of those letters. Each of those letters ends with this phrase. Let he who has ears hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. All seven, without exception. Different messages to different churches, but all hear at the end these words. Let he who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit says says to the churches. Now, we all have ears, but we don't all listen. In order to hear the Spirit speaking to you, it means you're going to have to be quiet. And we all struggle to be quiet in our lives. We have music and TV 
and smartphones, and we can basically avoid silence 24-7 if we want. But to hear the Spirit speaking to the church, it will require us to be quiet. To hear what the Lord, the Spirit, wants to say to us as a congregation, it will require quiet. why we try to build some silence into our service, frankly. Don't you hate it to go to like um, National Days of Prayer and all they do is talk? They never sit and quietly listen? Like, what if the Lord wanted to speak at the National Day of Prayer? He couldn't get on the program, let me tell you. It's too full up. Music, preaching, music, preaching announcements, music, preaching announcements, closing. Prayer. Once I'd just like to go to National Day of Prayer and it'd just be quiet, that we just would sit And listen to what the Spirit wants to say to the church. What do you need from the Holy Spirit this morning? He's our honored guest. We say at the beginning of of the, the, before the sermon, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts and minds of your people. What do you need from the Spirit this morning? When he comes in Acts chapter 2, he comes in signs And wonders. When he comes in Acts 4, he comes in boldness. When he comes in chapter 13, he comes with joy. Jesus says in John 14 that when he comes, he comes with truthfulness. What is it that you need from the Holy Spirit today? Let's ask him. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, you know the the mind and the heart of every man, woman, and child in this room, Lord, you know what they need. And you're the one who can give it to them. You're the giver of all good gifts. You're the reason we can say Jesus is Lord. You're the strength to get us out of bed tomorrow morning, Lord. You're the the reason we'll be able to overcome the things that would entrap and tear us apart, Lord. Will you meet the needs of your people? Come, Holy Spirit. And fill us. We thank you. We honor you as our most distinguished guest this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.